welcome back to Diversity on Fire. Our goal is to inspire you to think more deeply and act with more knowledge and compassion. We'll do this by sharing our open conversations on all types of diversity-related topics. Joining me today, I have Sheena Yapchan. Sheena is a keynote speaker, blogger, podcaster with almost 850 episodes, FYI, um, consultant, and author. All this work is focused on building self-confidence, and she has a mission to help Asian women live authentically and have a strong representation and voice in the world. Sheena, I'm super happy to have you with me. Welcome to the show. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me. It's such an honor to be here today to just share my story and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. Um, When I'm looking through you know, every episode when I'm looking through kind of guest information and trying to get to know you a little better on my own, I'm always amazed at like how cool people are. Like your bio and your resume and all the things that you've done, I'm like, okay, you've been on Fox and published. Well, first of all, you're a published offer two times, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, I'm awe inspired by all the cool people that I get to meet by doing this. So thank you for being cool. I'm very inspired by you. Thanks for calling me cool. I don't know if I consider myself cool, but I'll take it. I mean, obviously, we just talked about the you have an impressive list of accomplishments, which is amazing. It's definitely important. And obviously, it's what we all generally strive for, right, is to look for, you know, hitting the goals that we have for ourselves. But can you share a little bit about who you are outside of all of that? Like maybe get a little personal with us? Yeah, for sure. I'm just like any other person who goes through self-doubt, who goes through confidence issues, who goes through fears, who feels like they're not enough. But because I work on myself every single day, I can get out of it a lot faster, right? Uh, This journey that we go through, it's not always easy. There's always road bumps along the way. And I think being able to just say those things, it's is also being confident, right? Because not a lot of us can just be vulnerable and say, you know what, I'm having a bad day. You know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm good enough to go up there and do the things that I'm supposed to do. But other than that too, you know, I love to work out. I love to travel, well, pre-pandemic. <laughs> um, you know, I always like to go to different places, try different foods. You know, I love my spending time with my family and friends. And I'm very passionate about creating representation for women, especially for Asian women, just because Growing up in Canada in the 90s, you know, I never saw anybody that looked like me on TV or on billboards or any other forms of media. So I was always ashamed of being Asian. And I didn't want current and future generations to go through what I went through. And that's why I decided to start my podcast, The Tale of Self-Confidence, right? Where I interview Asian women about their journey to self-confidence. And that was very important because there wasn't any other Asian women talking about their confidence issues. And I was like, maybe I'm the only one going through it. I'm the only one who's not feeling enough, who can't make a decision, who can't trust their gut. But really, there's a lot more women out there who feel that way. It's just we don't talk about it because we've been told all our lives not to talk about the bad things that happen to us. But things are different, a lot more different than back then. We need to step up and speak up because if not, we become targets of other things that we're not supposed to be. So one one big thing is, you know, the racism that's been happening. You know, we, women are targeted two and a half times more than men because of this, because they know we won't say anything. So enough is enough. We have to go out there and just start speaking up, even if it's scary. I mean, I, I also get scared too. I don't know what could happen, but I know if not, like if I don't do anything, nothing gets done. And if we want the change we really want, it really has to start with ourselves. I I could not agree with that more. It really is 
we talk about these fundamental shifts and and big changes, overarching issues, and they're all there. And, and that is accurate. But the way that we have to start is ourselves, because I don't know what it feels like to be you and of course, vice versa. But I think we can all grab onto a moment where we've entered a room and we're the only female or the you for you, the only Asian maybe even the only Asian and the only female, we can all grab on to send a moment in time where we've felt uncomfortable. And if we can just understand what that might look like for someone that feels like that often, then maybe we can have some more compassion with each other and help, you know, pull each other up. I don't know. It's a big goal, but I do think it starts with us. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. And I know diversity is such a huge topic right now, but there's so many companies that are doing it wrong, you know, like it's all smoke and mirrors. And sometimes it's just an insult and a slap to the face. It's like, this is not what we want. This is not the diversity that we are looking for. Especially when I hear stories from other women who keep saying they're that diversity hire, that one woman of color who fits all the boxes. And, you know, we can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again, thinking we're going to get a different result. We have to go out there and showcase what actual diversity means. And like I mentioned, it's not easy, right? It's not always easy. You, especially as a woman of color, you have to do things five, six, seven, a hundred times more to get the message across. But if we don't do it, no one else will. So, I mean, it started out with my podcast and, you know, writing books, you know, and books, books is just as important too, because there's not enough representation. Um, I know there was a, a, a report two years ago saying that, you know, Caucasians make 75% uh, of the whole book industry. So that's not including just authors, it's including agents, the staff, um, every, every person that's involved in the publishing industry. And so everyone else has to share the 25%, which is really crazy, right? But we have to go out there and do other things differently. And not just say, oh, here's here's a cover of a person, right? And have nothing to do with diversity. So um, like we created books, right? One was called Asian Women Who Boss Up, where we highlight 18 Asian women's stories. And, you know, having 16 Asian women on a cover of a book is very powerful because there's no books out there that I see that have that. And we also have one called Women of Color, you know, who boss up. And that's just important because we're still very underrepresented, right? And it mm -hmm. makes a huge difference when it's, you know, made by women of color, right? Because we understand, you know, the, the things we go through, we understand uh, the struggles that we have and, you know, the mindset things that we go through. And even though we're still very different, we all still go through similar things. So, you know, some people might see diversity as a big trend, but, you know, diversity is something that we have to work on and we have to keep working on so we can get the message across. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent agree with you. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they introduced it in a way that I found was really interesting because the the guest on that show was mentioning similar to you. It's like, it's a hot topic and it's like, let me check all the boxes and I need to hire or I need to do a diversity workshop. And it's like, but what happens next? And first of all, let's start with why you want to do this. Do you want to do this because it's a hot topic? Because if you only want to do it because you think you're supposed to, you're missing the mark. The value is not in that. So I love that you said that because it is so important that people understand the fundamental need and actually really how interesting it is when you mix people with different opinions. The value is there. And actually studies have been done that show workforces that are diverse are actually better in terms of their monetary, like the actual business runs better and people are happier to work there. Now you mentioned... Um, 
in some of what I was reading, kind of you where you came from, like a lot of what you do in helping with building self-esteem and confidence came from the fact that you struggle with low self-esteem. Oh, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm wondering, do you think, kind of a two-part question, do you think that that low self-esteem was really, did it come out of and or was it made worse because you felt like you were the only one that was like you? And then do you have a pivotal moment or moments that kind of got you in this mind of thinking of, I got to get out of this? Um, yeah, I think, you know, growing up, not seeing anyone that looked like me on TV kind of helped, you know, with my low self-esteem and then also just upbringing, you know, you're just told what to do, never make any noise, every decision's made for you. So it's hard for you to go out there and do your own thing because you second guess yourself, you overthink things, you get analysis paralysis. But, uh, I remember one point in my twenties when I decided, you know, I had blonde hair with brown streaks back then because I thought it was a cool thing to do. And then I realized it was so expensive to keep it up. and so. Uh, One time I decided to just change it back to my original hair color. I just said, you know what? This isn't me anyway. I just want it back to my original color. And so when I dyed it, my original color, I just felt like myself again. And I just realized, you know, this is me. I'm Asian. I'm going to accept myself for who I am. And I'm just going to be proud of who I am. And it was just funny that, you know, something as small as like changing your hair color can mean can have so much significance, right? And that was just the start of it, right? Of course, Um, There's other things along the way that came about like 10 years ago, my aunt passed away from a horrific accident. And that made me realize how precious our life is and that, you know, we should go out there and do the things that we want before it's too late. Right. Uh, She didn't even reach her 60s. Right. She was in her late 50s when she passed away. So it like it could be in an instant. We just don't know. Right. We, We don't have anything set for us. Um, especially, you know, in this crazy time that we live in called the pandemic, right? Makes things even like unknown. Um, but sometimes I think the pandemic is a great stepping stone for us to just go out there and do the things that we love because there's no other, other way to go than up, right? We've seen the lowest of the low. Um, there's no other way but to go up. I agree with that sentiment. And I wish that I, that everyone else fully embraced that as well. Because I want to give you credit for something, and you've mentioned it a couple times and not directly mentioned it, but actually just in your journey, is that there are a lot of people that have had those moments where someone passes away and they're like, now I'm going to do something different, but then they don't. So you you deserve credit for the fact that what you're doing is you're saying, we can say this is important, but you have to take an action on it. Yeah. We can't just think it. And the action doesn't come right away. Like even though my aunt passed away, I just knew I had to change, but it didn't come right away, right? Because I was still scared, you know, especially like having a stable job, you know, having everything that you wanted, thinking that was success. But I knew deep in my heart, it just wasn't for me. And so if anyone's struggling with that, I mean, you're not the only one. We all felt that way, right? Just because yes, you've hit an aha moment and sometimes you don't take action right away and you feel bad about yourself. You know, everything happens for a reason, right? Sometimes it's just not right timing. It's not the time you're supposed to go and you'll know when it's time, right? Because the more you work on yourself, you know when it's the right time to go out there and do the things that you love. If you can do it right away, that's great. If not, don't worry about it, right? I think as people too, right? Especially women, we become our own worst enemy and we always put ourselves down when we don't do something. Especially like, you know, being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur. There's days you're like, I don't feel like doing anything. Oh my God, I feel so bad because I didn't do anything. Oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible person. I just wanted to rest and I, I didn't hustle like everybody else. And that's okay, right? I know we're in this like this this like crazy thing where people always think you have to hustle, 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 hustle. But pre- people don't realize that's 
that burns you out, you become less productive, and you just begin to like hate yourself. So sometimes having that rest and recharge is so important, especially now when you're working from home, there's a lot of employees out there who are very burnt out from working from home, right? They feel like there's more work done, like they have to do more work because they're from they're at home. They have all this time now. They don't have to sit through traffic. They're at home 24-7. So like people think they're available at any time of the day. And so employees don't set boundaries. But this, you know, when employees are burnt out, the the production or the productivity goes down, your sales go down, and your company morale goes down. And, you know, at, like I see management just always pushing, 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 right? Make sure you get the numbers, make sure you get this. But nobody asks, how are you doing? How's your mental well-being? You know, how's working from home? Is it working for you, right? People don't realize when you treat your employees well, that's when, you know, everything else goes up right? Sales, morale, everything. But it has to start with the company. And, you know, I've seen so many people, you know, friends and family who are just totally burnt out, feeling stress, having mental health issues because they're overworked, underappreciated, and as a woman, underpaid. (laughs) You know, and then on the flip side of all of this too is what we were talking about before we hit record is the overnight success. So you've got this, you know, not you, but the collective you have this hustle mindset, right? And so also on the entrepreneur, well, and anybody really, when you are hustling and you're working so hard and the results just aren't there yet, there's not only burnout, but then there's this idea of like, is it ever going to work? And then like 10 years down the line, it's like, oh, you're an overnight success. Congratulations. And it's like, no, that's not even close to what it is. Yeah. And I know you have thoughts on that too, because you had just brought something up. Did you want to share what we were talking about before? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I have my own podcast called The Tao of Self-Confidence. And, you know, last year I reached a million downloads, right? And everyone was like congratulating me and thanking me. And everyone was like, well, how did you, how'd you get a thousand, a million downloads? I'm like, well, it took me five years. First of all, I've had over a hundred, 800 episodes and I'm out there promoting it. So it's not like it happened overnight. I've been doing this for the past five years and people don't realize overnight success isn't really overnight success, right? Um, I was mentioning to Heather how the guy, the person who created Squid Game uh, wrote the script 10 years ago, got rejected by all these studios 10 years ago, uh, almost had to like had to stop writing because he had to like sell his computer because he was having money trouble. Um, But here he is today, right? Being on track to being one of the most watched movies or TV shows on Netflix. But no one would have people see all the glory, but never hear the story, right? That always happens, always, always happens. Even I remember last year, Lizzo had a tweet like, yeah, I'm a successful singer now, but before I wasn't, I had to sing for beer because they couldn't pay me money, right? I was, you know, singing, performing day in, day out, sometimes for no money and sometimes for just beer. So don't think I just came here. I've been doing this. It's just nobody talks about it. Yep. And it's persistence and persistence requires that you have done some of your own work and built up that self-confidence because it takes that confidence in knowing what you're doing is the right thing or that it's your passion or whatever whatever the trigger is for you, you have to have it. What When we talk about self-confidence, in your opinion and in your work, have you found common commonalities in people as to like a trigger or something that you can say or they can do that helps them maybe break a barrier or have an aha moment? Uh, I think sometimes it's just people don't realize they have uh, events from the past that, you know, sticks with them, right? Like a traumatic past that 
um, makes them the way that they are, right? I remember one lady, uh, she said that uh, when she goes into social settings, she just freezes up. She doesn't know why. Like she's okay with one-on-one, but she's afraid to go to social settings because she's so, because she just freezes up. She can't even say her name, right? And so I kept asking her, was there a time in your life where uh, something bad happened that made you the way you are today? And, you know, at first she said no. She resisted. I kept asking and asking until she realized that one time she was at a music festival with a bunch of people and these people treated her like crap. They like left her there or something like that. Either they left her there or any, it was just a bad experience for her, right? And because of that, she's afraid to go to social settings and open herself up because she might be afraid that whole thing will happen again. And so I had to tell her just because it happened, let's say like five years ago, it doesn't mean they're gonna, it's going to happen again, right? You're going to have to learn to let that go and open up and be okay because eventually like you're going to have to go out and be in social settings, right? Um, so, so most of it is like from traumatic experiences we go through, like, um, my own traumatic experience, you know, I always thought I was a failure. Anything I did, I was just a constant failure. And so I just thought something was wrong with me because I failed at everything, but really nothing was wrong with me. It was just because when I was five, I failed kindergarten for kindergarten for calling outside the lines. And so because of that, it's stuck with me up until my thirties thinking I was a failure, but I wasn't. I was just never meant to color within the lines. I was meant to do things outside of the norm, out of the box or out of the shell, whatever it may be. So those are some commonalities, right? It's just like there's a, a an event in their past that kind of that like your your brain or your consciousness kind of protects you from that so you don't get hurt. But you have to learn like, uh, you know, you have to learn to tell your conscious like your your consciousness like it's okay, right? I know what you're doing, but I need to do this so I can you know move up, be more confident, be more courageous, and do the things that I love. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So two things. One, I was like, wait, hold on. What you you failed kindergarten because yeah. you didn't color in the lines? Yeah. Like <laughs> what? Yeah. And then second, you just like got me with the. Maybe I don't color in the lines. That's not who I am. Love that so much because we we do that. Why do we do that? We we feel like we need to fit into someone else's box of what is supposed to be and what is not supposed to be. We are supposed to be who we are. And yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, there are parameters and rules and things to make life easier for society. But yeah, maybe you just don't color in the lines and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't do the personal work, the personal development, right? If not, I would have still thought I was I was just a failure, a constant failure, and nothing I ever did was considered a success. Especially, you know, when you're on social media and everyone has their filtered Instagram photos and things like that, You, of course, it's going to make you feel bad sometimes, right? Because you're like, why am I not there? Why are they living the life that I want? But sometimes we don't know if it's if it's real or not, right? We don't know. Uh, it could be curated. It's filtered to a T. I'm not saying all of it is fake, but I'm saying, you know, you can't always see things on for face value, especially like magazine covers, right? Do you know how much they alter the models to make them look perfect or whatever perfect is? Like, it's like they take out a whole hip to make it look like she has, you know, uh, I don't know, the perfect body. So it's not like we can alter our bodies in real life and just like airbrush our hips and our and our gut and, you know, and our pimples or whatever it may be. And we have to realize like those magazines are also just like a false perception of what beauty is supposed to be. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So social media. So 
Social media is a double-edged sword, right? I think that it does a really good thing in that it's opening people's eyes to things that they may not have seen before because there's an opportunity for sharing on such a massive level. Oh, but man, the other side of that sword hurts real bad, doesn't it? It's oh, yeah. like the the keyboard warriors that feel so comfortable and that never that you know that can be really really awful to people. And then just the images that we see because you're like you're right and and we call it the highlight reel right? You're not posting yourself online. You're not going to upload that picture when you just first woke up. You're going to do it after you do your makeup. And maybe you'll make your hair look messy. So it's kind of like you just woke up, but honey, we know you didn't. So it's, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Representation. I want to go back to representation because I I do believe heavily in the fact that there needs to be representation across all cultures. Representation matters. I wonder if you have thoughts, and speaking from from your own community, the Asian community, on what, if any, specific barriers you think there are right now in 2021 and around our time that are causing barriers for that representation to be showing up more fully. Well, I think I think it's both sides' faults, right? Um, you know, our community we're very guarded. We don't like to share anything. You know, we've been told if something bad happens, we keep it to ourselves. We don't speak up, and because of that, nobody pays attention to us, right? Like if someone says our name wrong, nobody corrects it, right? Uh, instead, we just let it go. Or like say um, we have a Chinese name, we want to change it to something English so that people can can pronounce it better. But really, we should keep it because it's our name right? It's our name. They should be able to, if, if we can take the time to pronounce someone's name correctly, it should be the other way around. And because of something as small as like having a non-English name can actually deter us from having a promotion or a high executive job because people are just too lazy to pronounce someone's name. Also, you know, in media, yes, we are getting representation and it's slowly getting there, but sometimes we still get the wrong kind of representation, right? Uh, you know, or like the token Asian, the token sidekick or the 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 hooker or whatever it is, right? The sex object. And that's not what we want to portray. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but, you know, like the Asian culture, there's so many different cultures, so many, um, you know, careers, different personalities, and even society just thinking all, all Asian people comes from China is like such a slap in the face because there's so many countries, you know, it's the biggest continent in the world and we're all not from China. So, you know, it's, it's really important to showcase different kind, different cultures of Asian cultures, right? Um, because if not, then we just get everyone just gets targeted for the same thing, like especially with the pandemic, right? Every single Asian person was targeted because they think all Asians come from China and China is the reason we have COVID and we have the pandemic, right? Which is unfair, right? Because now a Vietnamese person gets targeted, a Thai person gets targeted. First of all, no one should be targeting anyone, right? But like even even the Lat a Latin person gets targeted because they think they're Asian, right? Like all these like crazy things are happening because of that. So we need to, you know, get rid of the stereotypes we go through. We need to step up also on our part more, just keep speaking up and and show show others that we deserve, you know, the representation we want or go out there and create it. And of course, it's not an easy road. It's going to take a while. But if, like I mentioned, if nothing gets done, nothing will ever change and it'll just get worse. So, I mean, of course, there's always like the politics of it too, right? I mean, you know, we like, like, 
Kim's Convenience is a popular Asian uh, Canadian show here, right? It's also been popular worldwide because Netflix also plays it, but their show got cut abruptly because of, you know, the, the producers just didn't agree with the actors, right? And it's also, it wasn't an Asian producer that was producing it. It was a white person. So they don't understand like the storylines they had didn't make sense with the culture and they're just like, you know, it, the, the creative part of it was just like they were not agreeing on the things that they want to showcase. And instead of doing that, they just ended it. And it was such, such a shame because it was such a good show. And it's like, it's just little things like that, right, that kind of stops us from getting more representation because it's also not our call, right? It's someone else's call. <laughs> Right. Well, which is actually, it even emphasizes why, even more so why it's important to have representation. Because if someone is in that position with an understanding, then they wouldn't, you know, go off base and cut it because of the lack of understanding. I know that in other conversations I've had, there there's kind of a theme of parents that are working a lot because they're, you know, they're trying to absolutely make the best life possible for their family. And then conversely, this high demand of be the model, the model Asian, be the model citizen, you know, don't make waves. But I think, in my opinion, and I think what you're saying is it is time to start making waves and big ones. Oh, yeah. And it's been time. It Yeah, it's definitely time, right? I mean... I mean, this year alone, I mean, our our elderly got attacked like every single day because of the pandemic. And that's just not right. And of course, they're going to attack them, right? There's a language barrier. They're easier. They're an easier target. And, you know, to any person that attacks an elderly, regardless of any culture, is just a coward. So now it's our time to speak up and tell them like enough is enough, right? If if you're going to attack us, we'll attack you back, right? Because we didn't start it. You did. And so first of all, like none of us, you know, came to America or Canada in the first place. We weren't the first settlers here. So really, you know, we're fighting over someone else's land, right? Trying to claim it when we're all just trying to live together in peace and harmony. And that's how it should be, right? Especially like in America and in Canada, right? When we hear these reports, like I'm pretty sure the rest of the world is like thinking, are they are they crazy? Like, why are they doing all this? This is so like, is this the, the, the supreme, like, is this the country that we want to like model after right i mean everyone puts america and canada on a pedestal and then we see this stuff and it's like what an embarrassment especially in canada with the um residential schools like that is just horrifying right i mean taking indigenous kids putting them in the school like whitewashing them and like you know raping them killing them like burying them underground and like just finding out now that there's like all these missing bodies it's horrifying and yet you know, the government and the church here in Canada let it happen like it was okay. And like, for me, I I really don't like it when people use religion to, to say like, oh, they did this because God told me to. I'm like, I'm pretty sure God doesn't want you doing that stuff. Like that is uncalled for, right? Now, even now there's like a church that's apologizing because they just found out they've been molesting kids for like 20 years and they're asking for forgiveness. And it's like, no, like you, we cannot forgive you for what you did, right? That what you did was totally wrong. It's against everything that you stand for as a priest or as part of the clergy. So I know in in like um, Catholic uh, religion, you're supposed to forgive everyone. But to be honest, can you really forgive someone who does that? <laughs> 
I, I personally can't. <laughs> no, no. And you know, I really can't either. And it's it's the weird struggle where I do believe in in kindness and I don't believe, you know, what is the saying like taking someone well, I'm gonna make mess this up, but basically like doing wrong against someone who did wrong against you doesn't make a right, right? Yeah. One, two wrongs don't make a right. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and I wouldn't want to lower myself to go after someone who did something bad. But at the same time, it's like, no, there's no sorry. There is no sorry. There, th- That doesn't work anymore. It's mind blowing. And I don't know how to wrap my head around it. And I don't understand, don't quite understand how it can happen on such a scale that it has and honestly continues to happen. Because I talk to a lot of amazing people that are far against it. So I'm I wonder if part of it, going back to, you know, what you're doing is if confidence is an issue, if we know it's wrong, but we don't necessarily have the confidence to speak up against it and use our voices, whatever it is, I'm wondering if you've seen any changes in terms of parenting now. Do you, have you seen any sort of shift in your friends or family in terms of how kids are being raised now, as opposed to being like, kind of stay to yourself, stay quiet and kind of do the right thing? Or do you think it's similar? Still the same? I think, I don't know. I'm like the wrong person to ask because I don't have kids. And then, <laughs> you know, um, parenting in the pandemic has been such a struggle, right? Especially, you know, when your kids are at home and you have to like do online learning and, you know, everything else you have to do as a woman. I like, I don't know if like, I can say like there's a change or not because now we're focused on this pandemic and teach, taking care of our kids. And as women, a lot of women had to quit their jobs because someone had to stay home with the kids. So um, there are some some women who have come up to me, like especially with the Asian Women book who said, you know, I, I love you made this book. So I want to read this with my daughters. This is the type of mindset that I want to instill with my daughters. So th- this is some of the feedback that we got when we created the the book highlighting Asian women. And so that makes like everything worth the ride because that's all I wanted. That's all I really wanted just to have something that people can look up to and say, if she can do it, so can I, if she can do it, so can I, if she can do it, so can I. And represent, like I mentioned, representation is so important, especially for women, because as women, we, we tend to do things when we see other women that look like ourselves go for it. And there's been studies about that, um, that, you know, that women are more likely to forge their own path when they see other women do it. And that's just, I think that's just as women, that's how we just operate, right? And so that's why it's so important to showcase, you know, women from different cultures, different careers, different backgrounds to sh- to show them like, hey, you're all included. You know, we're not leaving anyone behind. So you did that. Let's let's actually dig in a little bit more to the book. So first of all, I will be putting, I'll put a show link, link in the show notes um, for everyone. And I encourage everyone, you guys are doing something cool too, because with every purchase, a portion of the proceeds is going to uh, uh, being. Am I saying? This oh well? yeah. So I, um, okay. anyone who buys a book personally from me, uh, I'm yeah. gonna donate part of the proceeds to nonprofit organizations in Canada and America that are combating anti Asian racism. Because, like I mentioned, Asian women are targeted two and a half times more than men. So it's really important to support these causes that are, you know, defending us, right? And so this is not just a book; it's a book with a cause <laughs> because it's important. <laughs> I'm glad that you clarified that. So the goal then is is 
everyone that wants it, we want them to go to you, your site yeah. and get it from you because that's where you're going to, that's where yeah, the that's my personal, donation is going to come um, from. Yeah, that's my okay. personal thing. Okay. I love it. And this is a collaboration. It was, was it 18 of you total? Did yes, you say? So there's 18 women in the book, but if you see the book, there's 16 women on the cover. And so it's really just women's stories, you know, just women from different backgrounds, different, um, different careers, and just sharing their stories of, you know, being able to forge your own path, overcome obstacles and thrive because people don't realize being in this journey isn't easy. We're going to overcome, we're going to, we're going to have to go through a lot of challenges, but we don't have to do it alone. We can do it together. And especially as women, we're so afraid to ask for support when we, when we need it, especially the pandemic, the pandemic has made us a lot more lonely and feel like, we're the only ones going through what we're going through, but really we're not. And I believe when women work together collectively, that's when change can really happen. Um, you know, especially like being in this book, we form, we're not just co-authors, we're like a sisterhood, right? We're a tribe, right? If we're feeling down, someone picks us back up because we're not always going to be a hundred percent confident. Sometimes we're going to be like minus 10% confident, right? So, and, and like the stories in here are phenomenal. Like we had one lady who shares about um, how she was diagnosed with breast cancer and sued by the FTC at the same time. And can you imagine being in that situation? How would how do you uh, get out of that? But she was able to get out of that, right? Um, you know, another one talks about living with you know a mental illness, like mul multiple personality disorder, right? And she talks openly about that. And I think that's a breath of fresh fresh air, especially come coming from an Asian woman talking about that because mental health was has always been such a taboo. Nobody talks about it. We either avoid it or we just do the opposite and just put you in a mental institution, which isn't right. But being able to openly talk about it, you know, people can realize nobody's perfect. We all go through stuff, right? And, but we don't have to go through it alone. We can go through it together. So yeah, I mean, like the stories are phenomenal for sure. I mean, those are just a snippet, you know, of some of the stories that are featured in this book. But, you know, just as important is the women on the front cover, because I see a lot of books that are written by uh, you know, Asian authors, which is really great. But sometimes it's like, why isn't, why aren't our faces on the cover of the book? You know, we need more faces on the cover of our book. There's no competition. There's enough room for everyone. And we need to showcase more and more of our faces so that, you know, there is representation and people can look in and be like, oh my God, that's so cool. If they can be on a book, I want to be on a book. <laughs> I love that. And so this is your most recent book. And um, then you had another. No, actually this was before. Um, our most recent book is Highlighting Women of Color. So it's women, okay. yeah, women who are African-American, uh, Latina and Asian all in one book. So we, so we, we do that. That one's currently just on Amazon, but, um, it's still, it's a phenomenal book too. There's amazing stories in that as well. Um, one of the, I'll share one story just so you can see like a snippet of it, but we have one lady who came from a really bad neighborhood, got pregnant as a teen, um, but decided to join the army, bec become a police officer and is now like a business coach, uh, that uses like what she, she, uh, practiced in the police force in business. Um, and also like she shares a story about her father, because she's African-American, um, her father walking down the street in an all-white neighborhood. And one of the the people in, in that neighborhood decided to call the police because they just saw him walking down there, no weapons, nothing. Uh, he got shot by the cop, but the woman who uh, decided to be, sh the, the, the woman who decided to be a police officer, uh, her supervisor was the guy who shot her father. And that's only a snippet of her story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, it should be like on an episode of Law and Order, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 just like you know, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you get out of that? Right? Like 
you know, you're, that guy's your supervisor and it's also the guy who shot your dad for no apparent reason, right? Because it was just pure ignorance and racism at the time. Wow. Okay. Stories are so, so powerful. So I love that. So we'll make sure to link both of those books because, I mean, I'll say it again, stories are super powerful. And for someone to come out and share their story as an inspiration, as a roadmap, as as therapy for themselves and others is so important. So I love that. Um, we'll link both of those. So what is there anything like small that you think like anyone listening could do in the moment and moment by moment, perhaps, to try to trigger themselves into a higher level of self-confidence? Well, I always tell people to, you know, just take it one step at a time, right? Like they don't have to make big leaps to build confidence. It can be something as simple as just like saying one affirmation because sometimes it's that's not always comfortable to do, especially like if you've never done it before and doing it in front of a mirror. I know because I thought it was weird um, when I first started, but the more you do it, the more you feel better, right? Um, also trying to find different ways what works with you and what doesn't work for you. We're all not the same. We're all going to find different ways to build confidence. So you pick and choose what works for you. And I think the most important part is you don't always have to do this alone, right? If you need to hire a coach, hire a coach. If you need to be with a group of other women or men, then be be with that group. Like you don't need to do this alone. And I think that's that's the biggest lesson, right? Be okay with asking for help. If it helps you build confidence faster, do it, right? There's no harm in that. Um, you know, because if if you win, the other person wins too. We're just creating win-win situations for everyone. And that's all we want to do. So I think that's probably the most important advice I would give people. Like be okay to ask for support. Be okay to ask for help. Like if you're going through mental health issues or like be okay to ask for professional help. There's no shame in that, you know, especially as women in entrepreneurship. Like if you have a product or service that can help someone, go out there and promote the heck out of it, right? Because if it can change someone's life, then why not? right? Even if you feel like you're sick and tired of hearing yourself talking about it, who cares? <laughs> Just go and do it. So I know it's I know it's easier said than done, but that's why it's so important to work on yourself so that you can take the action and not do it alone. You can always hire someone to help you do that as well. And that's definitely a common theme is um, do your own work. Do the work. And it sounds a little cliche nowadays because I think it's been being used, but it's so true. For the longest time, I personally like thought I was good. Everything was handled. And then something happened and I was like, oh, yeah, it's not all handled. And it's hard to put to words how much progress you can make when you actually start doing the work that you probably should have done years ago and realizing your triggers. And like what you were saying before about, you know, when you realize that it was coloring outside the lines which you never would have pinpointed. Before. You know, you're not just walking down the street thinking that you feel like you're a failure because you didn't color in the lines. It's work that you have to do to figure that out. But once you figure it out, you kind of take the power away from it. Um, so I wanted to just, the last three questions. Yep. So, all right, wrap the fire, not really. What is the one thing you wish more people knew about why building self-confidence might be harder for some groups than others. Well, because we're all built differently, right? It's kind of like working out. Like if you just started, it, you're not going to be able to do the workout the first time you do it. It might take you two times, three times, a hundred times. Sometimes you might be able to get it depending on your body structure and how many times you've done the workout. So 
some of us have to work a little harder than harder than others because we're all made differently. And that's just the hard truth. <laughs> and maybe that's part of the self-confidence building too, is acknowledging that you're not like everyone else. So you shouldn't be comparing. Yeah, that too. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, um, what are five words you would use to describe yourself? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> quirky. <laughs> um, I like to think I'm positive, at times energetic, um, passionate, and persistent. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love – those are all good ones. <laughs> those are all like power pose words. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, I mentioned we'll link the, the books in the show notes, but where else would you like people to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. So if people would like to get a copy of Asian Women Who Boss Up, they can go to sheenayapchan.com forward slash book to order their copy. Uh, you can also check out my website, sheenayapchan.com or the com to check out my podcast. All my social links are there. I'll pass episodes, things like that. If you need a new podcast to binge on, I have a ton. Uh, and other than that, if you forget anything I ever said, feel free to Google my name, Sheena Yapchan, because I'm the only Sheena Yapchan on the internet. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a boss up move right there. Yeah. The only one on the internet. And you have a really impressive array of options. And you do talk speaking and coaching. So, well, I will link all of that. Everyone listening, connect with Sheena. <laughs> And um, thank you so much for sharing your story and joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is to inspire you to think more deeply. And I hope today's conversation with Sheena did just that. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed on today's episode are our own. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own fact-based conclusions. Don't forget to check the show notes for links on how you can connect with Sheena and also find her books. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please reach out by email info at diversityonfire.com. Com. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Diversity on Fire. And if you're enjoying the show, we would very much appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening now so you never miss an episode. And please share the show with everyone you know so more people can join in these important conversations. And I'm just going to be proud of who I am. Thank you.